0: <laughs>
1: right. Okay. So, um, where did we get to last week? Bring up the text. Thanks. Fixed. خلاص. I my mouse back you know? just Come start. forward. Yeah. Come forward. Easy, Billy Nomes. Where did we get to What's the text? Is the old one a new one or what? Uh, on, the, on the portal, it's got the old one or new one?
0: No, seems,
1: uh, on the live page, it's new one. Uh, on the resources page, uh, So, yeah, so if anyone who's on the portal, uh, you still, for some reason, there's some technical glitch there, you've got the old uh, text. In the resources section? Oh, not on the live page. Live page is fine. Live page is fine. Um, so... something which I noticed actually you missed out. yeah there's two things obviously I was uh, you're still taking my medicine when I was doing a translation here I missed out What, do we, what did I miss scabies? No. Yes. yes so um, the, the, the section that we did last week was garments made of silk or that which the majority of it appears to be from silk are also impermissible for men except in the following cases so silk is haram except in the following cases. Uh, if the amount of silk and non-silk is equal, so if it's 50-50, then the thing becomes permissible. Uh, if there is a necessity of some sort uh, for itching, where was the part I missed? Before after that, yeah? Aywa. Yeah. For itching, for medical conditions, darura أَوْ حِكَّةٍ أَوْ مَرَضٍ And I forgot, I forgot to translate, أَوْ قملن. So that should say, um, for lice, yeah, and then, al harbin, aw jarabin, and harb, is either going to be translated as war, or it's going to be translated as jarab, you've taken me off the text, uh, or jarab, which would be scabies, okay, specifically, um, and of course, uh, we mentioned that we have companions, who had that, that uh, concession, and then, uh, well, did I, did I carry on with that? Al hashwan, yeah, yes, or for, for use of stuffing and then or use an embroidery embroidery which is four finger widths or less that's what we got to yeah good are you sure did I not just finish yeah I just kind of just yeah. yeah. I mean we can do that anyway ويُقْرَهُ والمُزَعَّفَرُ للرِّجَالِ. Um, so for patches and for bordering, okay. And I'll just quickly just uh, re, um, uh, finish that off. And then this sentence which we're going to cover today, it is disliked to wear. Uh, يُقْرَهُ والمُزَعَّفَرُ للرِّجَالِ. And I've I've uh, written for some reason I have no idea why uh, that it is disliked to wear yellow and saffron dyed garments. And that's absolutely incorrect. It is uh, uh, asfar and saffron-dyed garments. Okay, and I'm going to uh, and the, so the correct translation should read: It is disliked to wear uh, garments dyed in saffron and by saf flower. saff flower, S-A-double-F flower, saff I don't know if in English you say it as a, as a single word, safflower, but I think it's safflower, but it's a single word, okay? So, it is disliked to wear garments dyed in saffron or by safflower, and that's what we're going to be covering today. So it's not yellow at all, I don't know why I wrote that, okay? but. The yellow is going to come as part of the explanation. Maybe it's because I was reading the explanation and then I translated it as yellow. When I, I don't know why. Okay, right. So let's just quickly finish off the issue of silk then. So we've covered all the exemptions, and the one that we're at now is when this silk is clearly a minimal part of the of the garment, and so on then it is, uh, it is permissible. If there's like a medical need for it because of his softness, etc., because of his gentleness, it is permissible. And now we've got to the a stage where it can even be used in, when it's uh, uh, used as a, an extra piece of material to so patch up something which is torn or overlaying. Um, I think I said this. You know, like people, they have a shirt, which is made of cotton, but then they put the silk in there because that's obviously what's touching the... Uh, thingy, so that's the kind of thing which is permissible. I don't know whether people put it anywhere else. Do they put it there as well? Is it just uh, the edges that rub? Maybe okay. But anyway, that's a good example, Alright, If you're wearing a shirt which is going to rub all the time, um, this is obviously more so back in a day where where cloth was far more rougher. In our time now, the cloth is generally soft, right? So it's not really a problem. But if a person wanted to lace. His, his or her, um, his clothes like that. Then that's something permissible. basically borders. Now borders. I don't know. what's a border? So, so, uh?
0: The ends of something.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying, Gani, why would anyone do that for? Because I get, I get, I get, I get a woman doing it because they do lace and things, right? You do
0: it to from the as
1: well sometimes. Right. So that's also good yeah if you're wanting to increase the length of your clothes for a male would you do that yeah I mean I guess I guess again the point is is that it's a minimal it's an extension it's not the asal it's the farah it's the it's the branch it's not the primary so it's a secondary matter so these are these are permissible kind of uh, uh, applications Okay. Any questions on the matter of silk? Because we need to then move on from that completely. Yeah, you generally get the idea it's an effeminate clothing, an effeminate cloth, and it should be avoided as much as possible. Okay? People should recognise that even if in, even in the issue of whether they they think their illa is the, the the Sharia reason for prohibition is that or is something else, it doesn't matter. I think people need to be very careful about these things. Okay, very, very careful. And I guess, as you're going to see, this little subchapter is very much linked to culture and time and so on, especially the next point that we're going to be covering. But I want you to know that we are definitely at a very effeminate time. That's not to say that that hasn't existed historically. Historically, there have also been times where, you know, people have been very effeminate and, and, and uh, you know, uh, but now it's obviously at an epidemic kind of level, uh, level. It's something that you should be wary of. And what I want to say is that now that there are statements that are now politically incorrect, that people are not saying uh, so much because of how it can be misconstrued. So, for example, when I was young, to s- say to someone, man up, okay, would never have been a problem. Now to say to someone, man up, is now seen as offensive to uh, women, It's seen as uh, offensive to um, to I mean to be honest, you're always risking offending someone, yeah, by whatever you say, and so therefore obviously people are trying to be careful, and so the, there are some phrases, yeah, and the language is very important. Language is very important if there is a certain level of there's a certain vocabulary and a certain language which is being spoken and being said by everyone, people go along with that kind of that that what's the word, that mindset that it creates. Okay? Uh, generally. If there's a tough kind of talk which is going on, people are tough. Right? You notice this every day. Psychologically, people, it's not that we are more psychologically weak now than ever before, but the reality is that we are all affected. Psychologically, we are affected. Mood is very important. The whole point that we mentioned about wearing silk in battle, right, the argument for it, is that it breaks the, the what's the word? The, what did we say? The what? the morale exactly it affects the morale today you'd think what the heck's going on right but back then you saw a guy you know descending into battle wearing his best you know silk best you know you'd think oh, well, what, what you know this guy's here for war there's going to be blood and guts and whatever whatnot he's basically making a statement you're not even going to get close to me i'm not even going to break a sweat so much so that i'm bringing my years you know value of silk on my back it's not going to get touched so you're breaking the other guys morale some, um, language matters, words matter. these kind of subtext uh, things are going on uh, what 's interesting um, again, obviously if you 're into politics, you get this if you don 't then then you know you should know. Um, the labor conservative battle at the moment okay Theresa may is super super confident when she called this general election. she wants to you know put a nail in the coffin of labor and particularly uh, Jeremy Corbyn. And, but there was always a risk there was always a risk that the public would like Jeremy Corbyn, which is why that he she has refused to do a televised debate because there's always that chance that the people will connect with him now um, but it was only a risk, meaning that they're very confident that the people are not going to uh, vote for someone who has as many uh, problems as he does, okay, populist problems I'm talking about now he. His campaign has to overturn that. So it has to release language and sound bites and certain banners and create an image and create a language in the hearts and minds of the people who are watching to know a, f- a few things. Number one, the most important of them is what? What do you think? What do you think? The people? That a uh, uh, absolutely that this is something which is not a uh uh not the joke that the conservatives are making out to be that this is real this could happen and uh what's what's interesting is that when they left when they launched the manifesto yesterday yeah i can't remember the name is it uh the the, the name of the union leader what's his name
0: yeah.
1: McCluskey. mccluskey was it him i think it was the other guy there's two, there's Unite and there's the other one, right? But anyway, the point is, one of the most important people when it comes to the working classes, meaning people will follow him, because unions will follow uh, this, this, this uh, I-, I think it was that McCluskey trap, but anyway, the point is he's very important, he's a public figure, and what he says is very important, so w- one hour after the manifesto, when people's reaction is being gauged, he came out and he said, what did he say? He's not going to win? It's unlikely he's going to win? No, no, before the manifesto, said he said is. It wasn't before. That's the whole point. It was after. But it doesn't matter before or after. But what did he say? He's not going to win? Unlikely. What? Unlikely to win, yeah? A Labour victory will be unlikely. Okay? This was crisis moment for Labour. You know that as soon as that guy came off the TV, the entire Labour team have been on that guy, right? And telling him that, listen you know, whatever you believe, you're free to believe this, that, whatever, we can't, but you have got to go and, and re-say that again, right? And you cannot, uh, even if you believe that, we can't have you saying that. So the same guy reverses his statement today. This morning, he does another interview, and I think he says, this time, I think there's a good chance of Corbyn. <laughs> he said it'd be
0: difficult media against them, what kind of thing, but yeah, not quite. Ooh,
1: not yeah, what did he say? What, did, what was his words? I
0: think it was something like, it's going to be difficult for Optimistic Labour can... Uh, now, optimistic Labour can win. Yeah. That's, Very right? different
1: to what he said yesterday. Now, that's, that, 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 that's the point. The point was the change between 24 hours. Why was there a change? Because the more you get out there that someone is not going to be likely to win, everyone is then uh, affected. You know, it's not a war, but then you don't bother trying to vote for him. You think it's a wasted vote. And that's exactly what the Conservative wants. That's exactly what Labour don't want. They want people to keep on believing because the more that people believe, then eventually everyone else will just say, "Well, this person is going to win," and then it just becomes infectious some people. So, Im- it, the image which is created by words is very important. It genuinely affects people. This is not a fight, not a war. A guy said that I don't, you know, I'm, I don't think he's going to win. So, so you know, what's what's so important about saying that? However, Labour have seen it as such a huge statement. How it affects people's mindsets and culture and, and mentality, that they had to get it changed. Okay, Again, this is a modern political version of another point that we're saying. That there are certain realities uh, that we are unable to say, especially as conservative Muslims, about our religion that make us susceptible... To secular ideas and the watering down of our religion. That's the point I want to come across. If you accept that this theory works. And you believe that language is important. Then you need to know therefore that the lack of religious language in the uh, media. Or out there in the public. Is affecting Muslim minds. Especially Muslim men. Especially Muslim men. And they are becoming more effeminate. Even though they would never admit that. And there will soon become a time where that becomes quite normal as well. Alright. And so there are little things along the way that if they happen and they push a person further and further, uh, you know, it's, it's going to happen. And today's uh, a BBC, there was another article about a particular uh, Pakistani who was in uh, Saudia and he was uh, trans uh, either. No one knows. That was the whole point of the article, talking whether he was transsex, actually transgender him, uh, uh or whether he was hermaphrodite actual or whether he was just a cross-dresser, okay? And we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, this is definitely increasing, definitely increasing. So anyway, you need to be aware that these things are important and our inability to be able to articulate this openly and proudly, like for me to be able to put this on Facebook or give a lecture about it on, a pub, on, a, on a, uh, you know, an open platform, means that many people don't hear what we're talking about. And when they don't hear this message, and you can't have this said from a member or whatever, then people start to get a different uh, understanding. You You have to understand that the education of our children in private has now become more important than ever in history. Ever in history. And the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child, okay? not only was that always true and is true now, but the problem is is that it can't work now, because you can't trust the village to raise the child. All right? So' you're, so there's two, two issues here. The, the reason they would say it takes a village to raise a child uh, is because there are so many different roles that the different people are playing there 's the, there's the shopkeeper who does his part and there 's the experienced guy who's sitting outside you know on the on the corner doing nothing all day and he does his part and there are other people and the confidence and there 's various skills that are picked up so that 's the the, the, the the import of that message. However, we have a modern reality which is that not only are we missing that wide, varied education and tarbiyah, but we can't even risk, even if we had that opportunity to go and put the child out, they're getting such a mixed message from people, right? Even if we had that luxury of of different resources to go and teach a child, you'd be scared and you'd be worried, because outside in public, people are not using that language either. So that just goes and emphasizes that the parent now is having to do such an, a, a difficult, detailed, and intense job in, in correcting and almost, almost creating the mindset and then preserving it. All of that, which is only going to lead to the cult think and a closed mindset, which is then therefore going to be criticized by, of course, the wider people for seeing a person who is having to put up too much of a defense against wider culture. And they'll see that lack of integration and interaction. And they will put more pressure upon you as a parent and upon the child, you know, to what's going on. You're making these decisions for your child, et etc. et cetera. So like I said, these things need to be taken seriously. I don't want to be the dramatic one and say, you know, this is so important. But I, I genuinely believe that today, if, if you understood what I said properly, you'll understand that you wouldn't take a risk with silk, not even in... Uh, uh, parts and whatever not even in dressings and whatever getting used to that and making men effeminate and soft and so on and so forth is a major issue especially in the west especially in the Mm -hmm. west they don't uh, it's a society where there's no war there's no fighting, there's no military conscription there's there's little kind of physicality fighting itself is now seen as a uh, or wrestling is not promoted in a school environment or in a, in a, in a positive way, etc. People are becoming weak, etc., etc. Anyway, think about that. Yes?
0: So how does the debate in today's time move on from the nature of the, of the garment, to the cloth? So for example, there was an article a few days ago about a London private school which is going to, was proposing um, introducing gender-neutral yes. school uniform. Yeah. So boys can wear skirts, girls can wear trousers, kind of yep. thing, and this is linked into the old children come out as being non-binary yep. all this kind of stuff yep. Yep.
1: so hasn't the debate moved on to a different level now well, I, 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 surely what you just said only emphasizes just how important it is to control the things that we can control mm. right because when people have lost their minds to this level okay you know people like hate on Piers Morgan right but the reality is is that uh, we are not America in America, they deal with this one time. They've got that stupidity, but they've got the people to smack down every day. You know what I'm saying? So in America, the Republicans and the religious right and the conservative Christians, they're slapping down all this democratic nonsense, the liberal nonsense, whatever, whatnot. Yeah? So for every New York, there's a Texas, and for every Los Angeles, there's, you know, there's whatever. So. Yeah, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sheikh Khalid was telling us that, you yani, Texas has more sharia law than, than most yani, Muslim countries would ever dream of. You know, adultery is impermissible, you can be punished, and uh, alcohol, yani not allowed, and all this kind of crazy behavior, yani. you know. You'd think, what's happening? So, so, in the UK, we don't have that. We are a liberal democracy where there's a very, very weak uh, religious lobby. Very, very weak. And so, therefore... What you're dependent on are those people like Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan is perfect as an example. He is old school right wing without being racist outright as such. Yep, yeah, and even that could be argued, but he's not like a xenophobe, Islamophobe per se. He is definitely a religious, a right kind of character that is in the public uh, arena where he shouldn't be. But because... Uh, he has a certain p- a p- a public appeal. He maintains his position. He's holding on to it. Okay. Look at the guy who gets it wrong, Kelvin McKenzie, for example. He tries to be that Piers Morgan figure, but he's just an idiot. Yep. Yeah? And so, you know. Uh, um, but don't get it. You know, don't misunderstand the situation. He has huge populist support. The Sun readership were behind him fully. The Sun getting rid of Kelvin McKenzie was not because of their readership. It's because of legislation. Because they don't want to be, you know, be brought up in front of the government again and whatever, whatnot. So I'm saying, you look at Piers Morgan last week or two, he's gone full out against all his transgender baguas. Yep. And you'll see that, honestly, you you, you know, uh, on his show... His co-presenters are like, you know, flipping, flapping about, pathetic, you know, liberal kind of nonsense. And he's like, you know, you shut up and you shut up. This is stupidity. I'm going to say it. I don't care what you think. I don't care what anyone else thinks. And he's inviting all people on. They're shouting each other, you know, smacking each other down. And he's, and he's always been like that, okay? He always you know, calls out stupidity like that. Now, that voice is absent, okay, in this country. And as it dies away in the name of political correctness, as it continues to die you'll find that our mindset is going to become uh, even weaker. So obviously, when we've got schools that are doing something so stupid as we're going to introduce a gender-neutral skirt, then it goes even more to emphasize how the the responsibility is now higher on parents. To alternative educational establishments, keeping children away from certain schools... Having to make it whether the, 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 the alternative, maybe being forced to allow such as something you know maybe who knows what will happen tomorrow and all the law might change okay, then it's so all going to go back down to what you have at home okay anyway, any questions on, on this okay let's move on then. Um, and it is disliked or detested okay. um but we we'll just use the word disliked. For clothes, for men which have been dyed, and, and it's called Mu'asfar and Muza'far, which is that which has been dyed by saffron and the safflower. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a second, right? Muza'far, Muza'far, huwa al-masbugh zafaran It's that which has been dyed with saffron. And Mu'asfar, huwa al usfar Okay, And the, mu- the Mu'asfar is that cloth or clothes which have been dyed with the saff flower. The Saf flower. Um, the Saf flower is a flower which grows in very hot uh, climates and it is... <sighs> it's chemical... Is Carthamine, all right, and carthamine is a red yellow substance which even until today is used in dyeing okay it 's used more in food dyeing than it is you know as clothes, but traditionally it was always, and you can check it out yourself it's on screen as well. and uh, the truth of the matter is is that it 's used very little in commercial clothes in our modern time, okay. But this is important because its color is a reddish, yellow, orangish kind of color. carthamine itself, okay. Its flower uh, uh, differs between orange, yellow, and red. But the color that is produced for dyeing is is that. Now uh, saffron is orange color, all right? Or golden yellow, whatever you want to kind of call it. Yep. Yeah? But it's basically I mean, you know, someone who wears saffron will be insulted if you call it orange and they will be insulted if you call it yellow. But it's basically orange and yellow mixed. Yeah, it's some kind of you know airy fairy kind of colour. All right? Um, and this needs some discussion. But before we talk about that, let's discuss what the Hanabil the حنبل is meant by Wayukrahu, Al Muasfar, Wal What kind of karaha? Karaha means disliked, yes? And we've said before that there are two types of karaha, okay, according to the usul, uh, Usuliyin, the people of Usul. Um, and this was This was first uh, established by the Hanafi school when it comes to uh, scholarship, and then it was nicked by the, the Shafi'is, and then the Hanbalis then developed it afterwards as well. And they called that makruh Tanzihi and makruh tahrimi. And what does that refer to? It refers that if we call something to be disliked, then it means, but what is the definition of makro? When you say across the board, what does makro mean? Yeah, what does it mean? What's the definition? What's the definition? Yani, what does dislike mean? In a sharia, I mean. If you do it, you will not get punished for it. But if you avoid it, you will get reward. Okay, that's the definition of makruh. Okay, however, the Hanafis uh, they are the ones that introduced a further definition or a further kind of categorization, and they said that that what you just said there is makruh tahrimi. Makruh tahrimi. As for makruh tanzihi, then it is a lesser form of that. It's a lesser form of that. Okay and it's almost to kind of say that when they you know when something can't be haram then it can't be haram so people generally throw the makruh for a uh, uh, phrase at it but let's say that makruh is too harsh yani too much yani of a, of a legal kind of connotation to it so then the idea is that let's lessen it a bit further and that's why we get makruh tanzihi yani to the extent that we're trying to uh, encourage people to not go near it and makruh tahrimi meaning that which is to the level of prohibition itself okay so makruh tanzihi needs to be seen as the lesser form that's important okay for us number one to define that number two here's something which is important shaykh Uthameen says wayajibu an na'lama anna alfuqaha' at-tanziih Okay. That the uh, when the Fuqaha, when the legal jurists they mention something is is uh, uh uh disliked and let me ask you a quick question. When you say the word fuqaha jurists, do you think you're referring to modern scholars or earlier scholars? When you use the word fuqaha? I mean I mean I don't mean in terms of, uh, you know, 2017 versus whatever. I'm talking about in terms of early scholars and later scholars. And would
0: the this, would this, would this scholar be talking about his time at that
1: time? So, obvious. Yeah, and if we were talking specifically about a particular... Yeah, but I'm talking just generally when you use the word... Uh, for example, if I use the word Salaf, are we talking about the later scholars or the earlier scholars? Uh, earlier. earlier. And the word the Khalaf is the later scholars. Okay. So, if I use the word fuqaha, all right, generally, generally, what is it understood to be? It's later. And this is important, okay? Obviously, there are very early fuqaha. Some of the companions are fuqaha. I mean, you know, so don't read too much into what I'm saying, but I'm just saying that when you hear the word fuqaha, there's an implication in that statement that the fuqaha are the ones that have. Codified the religion after it being uncoded. Does that make sense? That's what you have to always be aware. Of. When you hear the words the Fuqaha have said, then you need to be considering that this is referring not to the very, very early first generations. Because then you're talking about definitions and categories and genres and classifications and so on. And that was not what the early scholars used to do. The tabi'een, the salaf, the early muhaddithin they didn't get involved in all this kind of complicated stuff. They used to take the deen very easy and call it as they see it, and that's it. But the fuqaha afterwards, they had to produce fiqh. As a teachable kind of, you know, legacy for for the masses, so it had to be easily studied and learned and understood. And to do that, they had to break it down into a system, okay. And so that's why they have these phrases like makruh, makruh tanzih, makruh tahrim, etc., etc. Sheikh Uthameen says that when the fuqaha al mutaakhirin, okay, even he's indicating there can be earlier ones, because when the uh, fuqaha would say the word makruh, then they are almost always Almost always indicating by that that which is not haram, that which is, yani disliked, whereas makruh tahrimi, which is effectively haram, okay, just so that you understand, makruh tahrimi is effectively haram. The only reason uh, I don't want to complicate things now because we do things in a logical way, but if I said to you that the Prophet ﷺ has forbidden this, and then you go and do it, right? You have done a. Haram. You wouldn't say you've done a makru action. Correct? Yeah. The Hanafis, they said, what if that hadith has some issues? For example, it's authentic, but it's only been narrated by one companion in one way. It's a hadith ahad. So for example, it has three different versions, but all of them are, yani, it's a hadith ahad. We don't want to go into it. We've covered that before. Go back and look at that section. So if the, if the, if the source is speculative, according to the Hanafis, because... That's disputed in its first place, whether there's such a speculative uh, sources or authentic hadith. So what did they now say? They say, well, we're not going to say that this person has done you know, haram, but he's done something which is makruh tahrimi." And there's a reason for that. There's a reason, because let's say that person turned around, and then after he did that haram action, he said that this is allowed. This is allowed for me to do. If a person doesn't pray... And then turns around and says that it's allowed to not pray. He's then committed kufr. Okay. Whereas if a person was to turn around and say that something which is makruh tahrimi. Okay. That that's allowed. He wouldn't become a kafir because of it. Why? Because the idea would be that he has denied something which was not established via a certain source in the first place. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, we have covered this before, twice actually, but just as a reminder, that's something you need to know. So makruh Tahrimi effectively is haram. Okay? Now, why did Sheikh Uthameen make this point? Because whenever the early scholars and the Salaf and the Muhaddithin and many of the companions, whenever they used to wo- use the word makruh, it is, or nakrah this, or we, we have kraha gra- uh, 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 from this, it was indicating it is haram. It was indicating it was haram. They used to interchange. And we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Alright? Um, now, these phrases, as I said, it's important to know the, uh, when a word is used, who is saying it and what time they're saying it. When Imam Ahmed, for example, he used to say, Ana akrah, This I have karaha for this, it would often, more often than not, mean something which is impermissible, as opposed to... You know what I'm trying to say? So, the earlier scholars, they do not consider... Uh, they, they like to use the word karaha more to mean haram. The later scholars, when they use the word karaha, it means karaha. meaning they dislike it. Is that clear, everybody? Mm-hmm. So, I start from the beginning again. That whatever the ruling is going to turn out to be on this issue, whatever our class position is going to be with clothes which are dyed with safflower or saffron, then according to the Hanbalis, it is merely, quote-unquote, disliked. It is not haram according to the Hanabila. Just so that you know, by the way, according to the Hanafi school... And to the Maliki school and to the majority of scholars in actual fact, it is permissible to wear clothes that are uh, dyed with these colours. You will ask why. So let's look at that discussion. First of all, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ra'a Allah Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Ra'as Thawbain Mu'asfarain Fanahahu Ayalbisial Bissahama Humah Wakal in Nahadihim Tyabal Kufar Falat Al Basha Fanahahue Wa'allala. The Prophet wasallam when he saw on Abdullah ibn Amr al-As, he saw two garments which were dyed with the safflower, okay, so that reddish-yellowish kind of mix, then he prohibited him from wearing them, and he said that these are from the clothes of the disbelievers, so do not wear them. Do not wear them. This hadith has been narrated in Sahih Muslim, Hadith number 2077. Okay? Um, if we were to just rule by this hadith, do you not agree that the humbly position of saying makruh tanzihi yani is a problem? Yeah. yeah, because it's very clear. He wore these clothes and the Prophet ﷺ yani prohibited from it. So then why are we saying that it is disliked when he prohibited, right? And that's what Shaykh uthaymeen says. He goes, he says, because this hadith, لِأَنَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ يَقْتَدِي أَنْهُ حَرَامُ This hadith, yani, indicates that something is absolutely haram. Not, yani, something which is, uh, 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 you know, just disliked, or something which is permissible, or whatever. And Shaykh Uthameen says, وَهَذَا هُوَ الْقَوْلُ الصَّحِيحِ And he goes, that is the correct position. Sheikh Uthameen says, He says, أَنَّ لُبْسَ الْمُعَصْفَرْ حَرَامٌ عَلَى الرَّجُلِ وَالْمُزَعْفَرْ مثلا. لَأَنَّ اللَّوْنْ He said that, and that's the correct position. He goes, I don't know why the Hanbalis, they considered this to be something which is makrooh, because the Hadith is very, very clear on it. And so therefore, to wear a clothes which have been dyed with with the Mu'asfar or Muza'far, saffron or safflower, it is impermissible. okay And the Sheikh says, and the Messenger Wasallam he said that this is from the, from the clothes of the non-Muslims. So it's not possible that we say that, okay, well, this is just disliked. Because the Prophet وسلم, has made it يعني, from the clothes of the non-Muslims. He has made it from the clothes of the non-Muslims. It's not possible for you to say, well, that doesn't mean it's haram. He then says, however, however, it has also been narrated that the Messenger Wasallam used to wear a hullatul hamra." That's narrated in Bukhari it's a very famous hadith and the uh, bara ibn azib radiyallahu anhu he said that kana an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wasallam arba'an wa qad ra'aytuhu fi hullatin hamra ma ra'aytu shay'an ahsan min okay in the hadith of bukhari which is narrated 57 5, 5848 8, he said that i saw the, the messenger of allah the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam wearing this hullah hullah and it was red and I have never ever seen anything more beautiful than it. Okay? So, here's a problem. Shaykh Uthameen is identifying a problem here. He's saying, look, this narration indicates that the Prophet ﷺ himself wore red. Right? And I've already mentioned, Shaykh Uthameen saying, that the other hadith indicates it's haram. Because he said that he's prohibited from dyeing the clothes with a red dye. And yet he is wearing a red suit. So how do we understand this? First of all, you need to know a couple of things. Uh, a hulla is a Yemeni garment, okay, which is a, like a shawl or like a top. But according to Ibn Qayyim, it is a striped top, not a straightforward, yani just a, one single color. So that's the first thing that you need to know. The second thing is there is a discussion amongst the scholars on whether this hulla, this hulla itself, that the Prophet ﷺ was wearing, regardless of whether you believe it was striped or not, was it a pure red or not? What is being prohibited in this? We have another narration which is authentic where the Prophet he prohibited uh, Ali radiAllahu anhu. From wearing a saffron-dyed clothes, he also, sallallahu in the authentic hadith, prohibited the muhrim, the one who is in ihram, from wearing saffron-dyed ihrams. There's an ijma' upon that, by the way. There is no difference amongst the scholars that it is not permissible to wear saffron-colored ihram. Um, and yet, we have other hadith where the Prophet sallallahu Abdullah ibn Umar himself, Abdullah ibn Umar himself, he came to the Prophet ﷺ whilst he was wearing saffron and uh, 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 mu'asfar and he was not prohibited from wearing wearing it. He also, Abdullah ibn Umar used to dye things uh, saffron colored and he said the Prophet ﷺ used to dye uh, uh, used to uh, love dyeing with saffron. So what we have here is one of the famous issues in fiqh. Okay? And that's why there has been a scholarly difference over this from the beginning until the end. From the companions amongst the tabi'een, amongst the fuqaha, they all di- that differed on this issue. We have hadith which establish the, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ forbade it, and at the same time we have the Prophet ﷺ wearing it or allowing it as well. So there's so many yani, discussions that need to be had here. I'm just going to to stick to this, alright? Go along Shaykh uthaymeen's path first, and then I'm going to give you my own opinion. Sheikh Uthaymeen he says the Prophet ﷺ wa was wearing something hamra, which is far more stronger than muasfar. So how can he ﷺ prohibit something which is lighter and, and say that this is from libas al kuffar and then wear the extreme version himself? ﷺ There are three responses Sheikh Uthaymeen says. The first one is that um, only the pure red is the red of the kuffar. Only pure pure red complete yani pure red is that which is from the libas of the kufar fa libas al kufar huwa al mu'asfar wal mu'asfar yamilu al humra walakin laysa khalisan okay wal hullat al hamra allati kana al rasul sallallahu alayhi Yabis Had can hamra khalisa wa hadha wa hadha al jawab fi nazar ahmar khalis ashad min he said that the that doesn't make sense because the Prophet ﷺ, the idea would then go that the Prophet ﷺ was wearing a red uh, 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 garment, which was a different type of red to the Mu'asfar. The Mu'asfar is the, is the clothes of the non-Muslims, and his version wasn't. He goes, that doesn't make sense. He goes, the second response is that this is an action. Fi'l, هَذَا فِعْلُ la لَا al الْقَوْلِ Okay? This is important, we discussed this before as well, a couple of years ago. When there's an action of the Prophet ﷺ and there's a statement of the Prophet ﷺ, which one gets precedent? Okay, so there's a discussion first of all there. One thing that we will accept is that if there is a statement and action, the one thing you can always argue with the action is that this is specific to the Prophet ﷺ. So he will warn against something which makes it haram for everyone. But then if he does it himself, then you know that that is something which is, well, permissible. But permissible for who? Well, it can't be permissible for everyone if he's prohibited it. So it must be permissible for him, sallallahu alone. Mm-hmm. Now, what Shaykh Uthameen says is something very important. He says that this principle, this kind of way, is you only think like that when it's not possible to reconcile. When you can't reconcile between evidences, it's only then that you start to say, right, this was general and this was specific. Because to claim something to be specific to the Prophet ﷺ is a massive legal statement that requires heaps of evidence. You've got to be really, really sure. Because on one hand, you could then end up doing something which is completely permissible or vice versa, etc. And he goes, I don't think that this is uh, 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 permissible here to make this... Uh, position to say this was specific to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because reconciliation is possible. And now he's going to reconcile. He goes that the reconciliation is the third response. And that is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he wore this uh, 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 hullah, it was never red. It was red striped. And what is impermissible is to have a complete colouring. So either entirely saffron or entirely red without any break. Meaning the whole thing comes across as exactly like that. And that is what Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, that was his position. His opinion was that, that the Prophet ﷺ never wore that something which was red. He gives an example, Shaykh al gives an example. The shemagh, okay, or the shimagha, you know, that tea cloth, you know, that the Saudis wear, okay. Um, when you see that, what do you call it? What color is it? Red. Is it red though? Yeah. It's red and white, isn't it? Yeah. There's probably more white on that than red. Okay? But the red is what comes across, and that's what you call it. You call it a red one, or you call it a black one. And we look at the black one, there's probably more white on that one as well. Yeah? So we just call it the Saudi one, we call it the Palestinian one. Yeah? So uh, this is exactly what Sheikh Uthameen is saying. And that's what Ibn Qayyim said before, that the Prophet ﷺ wearing a hulat yeah, al-hamra, and he's wearing a red cloak. It was not pure red. It was something which had lines in it and so on and so forth. okay? And Sheikh Uthaymeen, therefore, he said that if there is. So, Sheikh Uthaymeen's position. Okay, let me conclude so that you know at least the humble position, Sheikh Uthaymeen's position. The humble position is that to wear red or saffron or safflower clothes, then this is uh, disliked. It is disliked. It's not haram, it's disliked. Sheikh Uthaymeen says it is haram to wear these colors. All right, But he himself said that these colors means this purely that color. So to wear purely yellow or to wear purely orange or to wear purely red, then this is something impermissible. However, if there is something going on which changes the color, then that is permissible. Okay? So, um, I will just answer one question because we'll just go with Sheikh Uthameen's position for a minute. If Sheikh Uthameen's position was... Uh, is as it is, which is that red is impermissible, so uh bobby jay 's favorite top okay which uh, is same sad uh? he 's not wearing it today, He's not wearing it today. Yeah. Uh, honest then, to god i can 't believe heavy. i can 't believe Yani that that he caught us out and didn 't wear it today. I wish that he had worn it, so the thing is is that um bobby Jay has this this <laughs> yani <laughs> um mashaallah <laughs> this Adidas top that he loves. That all of Manchester recognizes because I think that's what they see every time that he goes in. They go into the shop. But it has a very prominent white stripe that goes all the way down the arm and then another one there and a white logo.
0: getting washed away now. The lines are getting washed away.
1: Oh my days. It's becoming more red. So it's a real question now. Okay? If I've said to you now and in the words of Sheikh Mithameen look what he says. He goes that this hullah that, uh, that the Prophet ﷺ wore, it was not pure red. They said khalisa okay, I don't want to say, I don't want to put words in his mouth because actually even I don't know what Sheikh Uthameen wants to say because he doesn't, he's guessing also what Ibn Qayyim is trying to say because uh, Ibn Qayyim was the first one who said khalisa What does that mean? Completely? Because that's when we say khalis. Yeah, when you say khalis, pure. do you mean complete or do you mean Pure. There's two possibilities. Does it make sense? If I say that I want it, I'm just trying to think of a sentence where you could use khalas as complete.
0: Does the hadith mention Shaykh so No, no. no.
1: It, it, the, the, the hadith doesn't mention anything yes. about this hullah. Hmm. doesn't mention anything about the hullah. This is Ibn al Khaim's p- uh, opinion only.
0: That,
1: yeah, that this hullah, when you look at it in Yemen, it doesn't come as it comes as stripes. So if you go with stripes, okay? Even the, even if you use Ibn al-Qayyim's explanation that a striped one is permissible, okay, that doesn't help us because here, we don't know whether the alternate stripe is a white or whether the alternate stripe is another shade of red. If it was an alternative shade of red, then khadis here means pure. So it's not pure red because there's two different shades. That's possible. Or, we mean that there's something completely different which is mixed in, either color or design, which is reducing the impact of the red. I have to say that my heart goes towards that. Okay, That in my understanding of what they're trying to say. Because when you say khalis, in Arabic language, khalis is more closer to pure than it is to complete. Do you know what I'm trying to say? The word khalis is more closer linguistically to pure, like completely red, than as as opposed to completely, completely... Yeah?
0: I think it depends. Because if it's clothing, then no.
1: Okay. If it's food... Okay, as- go on, good, good, give some examples. Yeah, for asar, for example, honey. Yep. Say, has, has okay. Uh, we'll yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it. this is pure honey, khalis, khalis, yeah. But would you say, like, you know,
0: this is, you can't say khalis in terms of the color. But I mean, I would say, like, you know, even... Uh, if we are trying to use analogy of the color khalis or not, why don't we just
1: say uh, okay, what about so he woke, it was uh, before he prohibited so he did the action and then the command came Oh, from no, no that's a side point, we can, come, we, can go, we can explain the hadith of in different ways don't worry about that, let's just now just focus on Ibn al-Qayyim's, yani classification <clears throat> of if his argument has weight, that this thing was striped what does that mean? Does that mean therefore that like, can I wear if this was all red all red but there's just a line there which is white okay? Is that permissible or not? Well,
0: even, even the bag that's a perfect example Yeah. A bag? No, no, the badge. Yeah that, uh, the, 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 So you've got everything that's red <laughs> Okay yeah?
1: so, so I had a quick check down and you know, what's going on I haven't seen this bag for a long time I don't know what it says even What you're wearing is black isn't
0: it? Even though there's a logo which has two different colours Yep. It
1: yeah, you'd be nuts to call this yeah, anything but black. <laughs> <laughs> even, 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 even if you had white lines, you'd, still call, you'd still call it black. Just like we said the Shemagh, the Shemagh, as we said, you call it red. Even though the white is actually more, I mean, by 1% or something, because the edge, they don't do red, okay?
0: You wouldn't you sort of call it checkered, you wouldn't call it white, red, white or red, you call it checkered. Yeah. No, you call it red and black.
1: Yeah, but we're not talking about in terms of design, we're talking about in terms of color.
0: I'm I'm saying
1: we're not talking about design. I'm saying if you're asked to. You wouldn't say red or you wouldn't say white, you're such a packy, aren't you? If I pick up two, which the black one and a red one that are checkered, are you going to say I love the checkered one,
0: please? (laughs) That's what I
1: said to you three times. I'm not talking in terms of design, I'm talking in terms of color. Uh huh. Yeah, so I'm saying let's define something in terms of color. Leave design. Let's say that we've got, you know, equal designs, but we've got different color matches. Yeah. You are going to call something by its dominant color. Simple as that. So now we've got to ask ourselves if we do that as humans, all right, we call something by its dominant color, is the dominant color dominant because it has large patches of that color or is it like for example in a checkered design it it's so close to one another even though it's mixed up do you get what I'm trying to say Mm -hmm. now the reason I went through the exercise is to show you that whatever the position of Ibn al-Qayyim and his interpretation is it is still a matter of doubt yes
0: this is the color set how the reason behind the color well that
1: also needs to be discussed
0: Because is you know in the past maybe
1: yellow and red is the color for a is we, 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 blue and red uh, correct correct and we'll discuss that in in my my summary of the of, the, of this yeah shikoji
0: shimari is a good example i mean if we have a different colors of the red yep. even though it's called white and red is dominant color there
1: yep. you wouldn't call the halis would you correct That's what I'm trying to say. You would not say that this is khalis. But it doesn't help us because we don't know, we're not calling it khalis because the red is not dominant or because the red is not continuous. Or you get what I'm trying to say? I just, like I said, I think that this opinion throws up more problems than it solves them. Okay? And therefore, it is no surprise, as I wrote, that amongst the scholars that considered it to be haram, 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 like Sheikh Uthameen said, is Ibn al-Qayyim, okay, to wear red, pure red, I'm talking about, okay, Imam al and the Zahriyyah, the, the literalist madhhab. As for the people who said it's maqruh, then it's the Hanbali school, the Hanafi school, and the Maliki school. As for the scholars who allowed it completely without any problem, it's the Shafi'is, okay. So the Shafi'i school, they allowed the wearing of saffron and red-colored clothes without any, uh, 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 without any issue, without any problem. Now,
0: so, so the, the the
1: huh? The You'll see now. You'll see now. Um, some of the people, they said. I want you to now just think about all of the discussions First of all, uh, I, 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 Imam uh, Ibn Hajr al-Isqalani He, in Fath al-Bari When I looked in Fath al-Bari Gave eight different opinions you know, On this issue of wearing these clothes Okay, Eight different opinions uh, Just so that you can just expand your horizons Some of them said Hold on, Ibn Umar, the Hadith of Ibn Umar Makes it very very clear that saffron is prohibited in Ihram Which indicates that it is permissible outside. That adds to the masala. Okay? So this, is not going
0: to give colour, ihram colourful ihram.
1: That's right, colourful ihram we're talking about. Not you know that it is, perm- I mean, we'll come to that in this right time, but it is permissible to have a coloured ihram. We are just obviously, yeah, I mean, you know, we look at white and so on. Okay? And there's no doubt that it is recommended. But it is permissible to have a different colour ihram if there's a need. However, for a saffron-colored one, they would not be permissible. That's the point. There's a consensus on that. Now the idea is, is that when saffron is not allowed in ihram, then that's an indication it is allowed outside. Like when we talked about makeup, right? We said that kuhl, for example, the Prophet ﷺ forbade the women who are in their iddah after the deaths of their husbands to wear kuhl, right? Antimony, eyeliner effectively. Which indicates what? Indicates that it is a sign of beautification and it is permissible outside of mourning and so on and so forth. You get what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So, that's one. Another thing which is, I think, uh, uh, interesting uh, in the hadith of muhira, in the hadith of Wudu', the hadith where, where Mughirah ibn Shu'ba did uh, brought the water for the Prophet ﷺ to make Wudu' in Bukhari, he said that the Prophet ﷺ was wearing a. Uh, uh, because Mughirah. Uh, Described what the Prophet was wearing, a Roman shawl, okay, so a cloth, yani that was uh, a particular garment that was from Rome, and he, um, and he also said, in another narration, that he was wearing a kibtia. Now, the kibtia is a Coptic garment from Egypt, meaning it is yani uh, linked to. Uh, and Coptics were never anything other than Christians. Okay, So there was a garment which was not religiously connected to them, but from that region and the people. And we know the Prophet ﷺ wore the Khufayn. And the Khufain is not an Arab uh, uh, garment, by the way. Leather socks were not, I don't know which, which uh, culture there it is, but it was certainly not Arab. Okay, and then he used to wear them because obviously you know they're strong and they're warm, etc. And then, out of ease, you're allowed to wipe on them. That's why we allow the wiping on socks because we said it's not about the actual garment itself; it's about the concession and about making easy. That's why we allow wiping on shoes, etc., etc. Okay, so what do we know? Just to add into the spice, the Prophet ﷺ has been seen wearing the color that he's prohibiting the Prophet ﷺ has been seen wearing the clothes of non-Muslims that he said don't wear this these are the, the clothes of the non-Muslims the Prophet ﷺ has allowed people to be wearing literally a certain color because he prohibited them from them in ihram which means he allows it to them in other times so we have a lot of yani uh, points here also um, Ibn Hajar when he uh, discussed this and he discussed this on the issue of wearing red he, he himself he said that it is allowed at home and when you're working but it's never allowed for zina and this is the position of malik as well okay so that when it comes for wearing it outside and wearing it Yani, yeah, to, to look good in red is not allowed for the uh, male but yeah, for being at home or Yani yeah, wearing it as part of a uniform, Yani yeah, to get dirty and there's like a lack of respect being shown towards it. Yet yeah, then it's not being Yani yeah, rated, etc. Then it's something which is, which is what it is uh, permissible at that time. I want to put to you that in my in my in my summary of this, that the my position and certainly the class position is that there is no color which is prohibited absolutely for the male and the female okay there is no color which is prohibited for the male or the female likewise there is no absolute obligatory color which a person must wear at certain times either there is a there is a recommendation for males to wear White clothing. The Prophet ﷺ said, wear the white clothes and use them to uh, shroud your dead. So that's something which is recommended. However, when it comes to halal and haram, I do not believe that there is a haram color and there is a halal color for neither women or men. So then you will say, what about all these evidences and all these hadith? How do we come to, to deal with that? Let's talk about women first. Okay. None of these hadith refer to women. None of these hadith refer to women. So what is the color of a woman? What is the color that she should be expressing outside in her clothes? Or what shouldn't she be expressing? Because you know that uh, when it comes to practicing Muslim women, it seems like uh, our color is black. Yes, especially of course because of the Gulf countries. Um, most hijabs, jilbabs, etc, etc I want you to know that this issue comes back down to culture and it comes down to time it comes down to era it comes down to the people themselves the idea for a woman when she is wearing her clothes in normative scenarios, uh, scenarios in public is that she does not draw attention to herself we've discussed this before it's this ridiculous kind of idea that a woman would wear hijab but then be using the hijab to draw attention to herself yep so you know a woman be wearing a hijab and she decides to you know uh, 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 tinge it neon colored for example yeah or she puts I don't know electric kind of LED lights in it that it, it flashes or something like that something from out uh, of what's it called yeah, was it uh, uh, thingy yeah, I can't believe I've forgotten Blimey. the, the uh? no man I can't believe I've forgotten the film yara. Yeah, film of my, of my youth. Running, man. No, man. The Tron. Yeah. <laughs> Tron. Something like a Tron. I can imagine. Yeah? And that's, that's, that's what I think of anyway, Tron. Anyway, back to the point. So, a woman is not meant to bring attention to herself. Alright? And attention to herself means different things at different times. So that's why in Saudi, to go around wearing a white abaya and a white niqab whatever, that would be just ridiculous and you would understand a scholar saying that that's something which is impermissible, even though of course it's crazy to say wearing white is impermissible however, when all the women are outside and she wears white, every single person is going to be like what the heck, I'm looking at this woman, do you understand? it just so, this is not about being sexist towards women or not it's just that she's going to stick out the truth of the matter is, is that there might have been a time where men would have stuck out, okay because in Saudi right in certain cities, if you wear black, you would stick out. Yeah? Like in Riyadh or like in Najd or whatever, where every single person is wearing white. And so that would be then not a, a wise decision. However, you will see in the Haramain, Mecca and Medina, that none of the scholars... Uh, apply their own cultural values to male or females, especially females, because there's so many women that come from outside with their normal clothes that they're not going to be wearing black. They're wearing their own kind of different colors, etc. etc. Now, I want you to know that in this country, again, that decision needs to be made by women themselves. They will know what are the colors or what are the style of the colors that stick out. All right? Now, you've got to understand that there's, there, there, there are obvious exceptions to this rule. A woman wearing a hijab and niqab is going to stick out regardless. You know what I'm trying to say? This is not called sticking out. That's a religious requirement. Anything which is a religious requirement, it doesn't matter that you stick out or not. Because then otherwise people will say, well, the men will stick out. Then they should also shave their beards because the majority are, beard, are non-bearded. Okay? We'll say that, it's not, that when it comes to a religious requirement, it doesn't matter. Okay, When it comes to a religious reality... It doesn't matter. So for example, when it comes to uh, you know, beards, there might become a time where the beard becomes dominant. Yeah, absolutely dominant kind of feature. That will not change the ruling of the beard in any way. Likewise, if the, the Muslims of now were our, our number 200 years ago, then all the women were pretty much covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea was that in the, you know, in the public, that was seen as a respectful way. I'm saying to you that come in 100 years' time... Let's just say that you know something happens in the atmosphere, and you know it's not possible to expose their hair outside. Imagine, okay? And so, therefore, every single woman wears a headscarf when they go outside. That will not increase or decrease the obligation of the hijab when it's obeyed. So, the point I'm trying to make is that when it comes to understanding this ruling, okay, when it comes to understanding this ruling of of not sticking out, it does not include religious obligations. You have to stick out. This has to stick out. But um, if you are in an area where your, your color is bringing undue attention or the way you're wearing it, then that's something which should be avoided. So I want you to know that there is no prohibited color as long as you do not bring attention to yourself. This is my personal opinion, point one. Point two, the color itself must not uh, represent something which is impermissible, So, for um, women, there is no color that represents men. But there are shapes that represent men. Okay? So, for example, uh, uh, trousers or a suit of some sort. Okay? I don't mean a female suit because that's a recognized reality. It's a different cut on a woman's suit to like a, a male suit. Okay? It's impermissible for a woman to be wearing that clothes which is specific for a man. And likewise... And obviously for vice versa as well. However, with color, there is an issue. There are certain colors that if a male was to wear them, they look very feminine. And even that exists in our culture here. Okay? And now, I don't have the confidence because, you know, I generally uh, stick to one color. Yeah? Um, Although in the last few weeks, I've made a concerted effort to uh, change that uh, perception. Okay. However, the, uh, you know, I don't know what those colors are, but I do believe that red is seen as a feminine color. Okay? I think that, that they, we have to be aware that there are different forms of red. There are some scholars, by the way, that said the reason that red was uh, prohibited, just to show you the, the extent that how many scholars are trying to explain what's going on, some of them, they said that the reason that red is prohibited is because it resembles silk. Meaning that people never used to wear or use black silk or white silk. That when silk was there, it was always in one of these funky colors. So some of them said that actually, that's why, by the way, one of the reasons why the scholars mentioned color in the chapter of the silk. Because they said that the prohibition is linked to the fact that when they, people used to see it, from not very close up, but any kind of distance, if they saw something red, they would immediately think it's silk, and therefore your perception is being changed, etc., etc. So a color that is indicating a feminine reality exclusively, that is also something which is impermissible. A color which is representing a religious order, this is impermissible. Now, this is the dominant position of how to explain the Prophet ﷺ statement that this is from the close of the Kufar it seems to be clear that saffron was being worn by some kind of mushrikeen or some kind of people at that time. Whether we understand that or not, we certainly understand it today. With the Hare Krishna lot, okay, it is absolutely a mark of their existence. Like no one wears saffron. No one wears it. Okay? And so therefore, I think that we can say that a person who wears a purely saffron kind of garment, they are at least risking the prohibition. Because I had a Christian a lot, they are identified by that color. Yani, yeah, I mean, someone might turn around and say, okay, I'm going to wear a jacket, okay, which is saffron colored. And they don't wear jackets, they wear that, you know, sari, okay. And anyone who sees me wearing my jacket will never ever think of um, the sari. So I say I agree, but you're taking a risk. Because the color might be indicating something specific, not just the, the style of the clothing. So I just want you to know that you know that that, that you just need to be aware of that point. Okay. Um, so I want to summarize this chapter that I believe that every hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which prohibited these colors was not because of the color itself, but because of what the color itself indicated. Another example of not taḥrim liḍātihi. But Le and wasa'il for example, being uh, 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 being considered to be from the non-Muslims or copying non-Muslims, or becoming too effeminate or copying women. These are the real reasons why these colors are prohibited, not because of color itself. There is no such thing as an Islamic color or not not color. There are certain colors which are positive. The Prophet there are, Yes, I will say that there's a discussion around green. Okay, right. The Brillos did get that one right. Okay, yeah. There is, and there should be, yani, you know, a little bit of love for green. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the ulama said that because it is the clothes and the color of jannah, all right, or the clothes in jannah uh, and the dressings of jannah. And they said that something that yani you know, indicates that in this life then can be used as well. Yeah, you yani, know, there are some people who also used to wear it. And I want you to know that there was a real hatred of red, a real hatred of red back then many of the companions and tabirin have got many statements against red okay it is, is that, so I'm saying to you yellow actually is not even in the game like a proper yellow but we have in our translations like me and having a, a yellow moment alright golden yellow okay blonde alright um, saying yellow but the truth is is that it's not linked to yellow per se it's actually linked more to red I'll point it to you uh, is red um, a color that has lost any of that today what do you think? How do people perceive red today? In your culture, what, what do, how is red perceived?
0: What about burgundy?
1: I don't even know what colour kind of
0: burgundy is. I always
1: I always saw these kind of colors, you know, as 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 as, as, as anywhere colors. You know, not real colors. Just yeah, anywhere, just kalam fadi. It's not proper color, is it?
0: That color there,
1: after after. That is that burgundy. Yeah, that's maroon, bro. That's maroon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. The color, absolute. Uh, it, it is unclear. Of course, it is. I, 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 what do you think? Uh, what, what kind of clarity was you expecting when the Prophet Sallallahu prohibits a color and then wears it? You know what I'm trying to say? Yani, yani. what 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 I mean is that this issue has always been unclear.
0: That, but we've gone from Macaroon to haram. Yeah. And now you're saying everything's on the table, but if it's if it's if it's it makes it, you effeminate in, in colour,
1: we said that everything is allowed unless it represents something which is impermissible or creates the the impression of impermissibility. That
0: makes it so
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I do I, 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 I do believe
0: pictures, yeah.
1: Absolutely. That, that, that is that, that is, is, that? That is uh, i believe that the person has to be responsible enough to be able to make that call so it
0: is subjective, yeah. subjective.
1: i know, i think pink i think pink shirts for example they are not you see this is a, this is a good example blue for baby boy pink for baby girl however pink has way lost its feminine reality when it comes to a shirt men have been wearing pink shirts for decades with zero feminine uh, implication, you get what I'm trying to say. So that's a point. Who's going to now go and, and prohibit pink? You get what I'm trying to say. Go to Malaysia and prohibit yani blues and greens and reds. Well, you have a heart, the people have a heart attack over there. They wear the most funkiest colors yani possible. Nigerians, oh my God! You see those guys? They're nuts, Yara. They knock out some crazy colors. Right now, Pakistan in Pakistan. A guy walking down the street in, you know, red, is going to get beat, isn't he? And the Arabs as well—they don't if like that,
0: wedding, huh? If there's a wedding, it's all good.
1: No, no, wait, wait. <laughs> Only Bobby ever wore that sherwani that I saw that was red. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we got pictures as well to show it. Yeah, yeah. Only he wears that's he red.
0: You saved it, yeah? <laughs>
1: skin, Astaghfirullah, that's haram, that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's so bad, man. But I mean, look. The point is, is that absolutely I believe that this is a subjective call. Absolutely, I I I completely understand. Oh, now listen. Wait a minute, right? Does that? mean that I wear red without inhibition? No. What I believe is one thing, and what I would practice is something else. As students of knowledge, as people of wara, as people of taqwa, I would say just avoid you know, things of doubt. I wouldn't go near saffron. Okay? It's, and I don't want to come off as I'm, you know, some, some religious, Yani Mashallah. I can't stand the, 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 the color saffron, but I don't want to say that it's because of religion that I'm not going to buy that saffron jacket. Yeah? I don't like the color anyway red, I don't think that I would have anything. But, I, but red is, is, is not, in this country, red is not seen in that way. I love Bobby's jacket. I think it's a neutral color. No, genuinely, I do think it's a neutral color for the red. In which world?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Just because I, you, jacket. No, here.
1: Yeah, he, he keeps buying it again every time he gets messed up, he buys about another about one orange? the same one.
0: orange?
1: <laughs> orange. Like, like,
0: like, like a red orange.
1: I don't know. We'll ask Yani the 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 gatekeepers, okay? Red. For a man to wear red. No, huh? Bestie, yeah? It's bestie. Okay, what about man wearing orange? No, no. Okay. What about man wearing yellow? What about man wearing pink? No,
0: no.
1: Okay, what about what about wearing
0: green? That's yes, all right. <laughs> <laughs> green, huh? He's defending his green, huh? You know?
1: uh, so no pink. What about pink shirt? Not pink shalwar kamis. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: so pink shirt's okay. okay, so what but, pink is that okay? but but pink shalwar kamis not okay.
0: No. <laughs>
1: You see, I have to, there's nothing I've heard there which I don't uh, disagree with. I agree with that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't ever imagine a pink shalwar kameez; <laughs> it'd be a disaster. But uh, except in Malaysia, for example, except in Malaysia, ex- in Malaysia, pink shalwar kameez, <laughs> completely no problem, isn't it? I know because uh, they, half the class in, That's why, but uh, uh, you know. A pink shirt, he said, no problem. I agree, when you see a pink shirt, you don't think that's a problem. So that goes to show you, now look at a person who's going to prohibit a colour. I think there's a dhulam involved in that, when you prohibit a colour outright, when you know that it is linked to culture so much.
0: But it is so, so subjective. It,
1: uh, absolutely yeah. it's subjective. Yeah,
0: for example, you, you
1: know, you know people, the people of the elder generation will have an opinion. Absolutely. Other will absolutely, an opinion, and that's you know, down to culture. That's down to culture. That is the point. I think it is linked to culture. So what's the legal
0: ruling that you apply? It is and subjectively Allah. <laughs> <she doesn't> <laughs> 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 Shahadu
1: Just to, just to pick up on a few things online and then just to uh, conclude the, the discussion. Okay, uh, uh, Owell said that Nigerians aren't so bad. He's Nigerian, by the way. Actually, when I think about it, they aren't so bad. They do use a lot more darker colors, don't they? And they're kind of uh, shiny, kind of silky stuff. It's a lot more normal. Anyway, um, look, you are either going to take an approach to this, which is the one of safety and ihtiyat, and if you're going to take the safety position, then you will avoid these colors. You will avoid these colors. Simple as that. If you want to be absolutely upon the position of Sheikh Uthaymeen, he considers all forms of red in any kind of its versions to be impermissible, okay? As long as it's pure. Now, pure here could mean either entirely or whatever. This is open up for discussion. I personally cannot interpret these hadith in any other way. I cannot see interpreting it in terms of stripes and this and that, whatever. However, I can very clearly see them being interpreted how we understand generally clothing. Clothing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made permissible. There's no such thing as bad clothing or bad colors. It's what people do with it. It's people's intentions behind it. Mm -hmm. It's like similar to discussion on pictures as well. When we intend disrespect to something... And when we have ta'atim of something, I I we differ. It's not just me who differentiated, uh, you know, but the scholars did. They said that you know, an eagle on the floor and walking on it is not the same as putting a portrait up of an eagle or a picture. You get what I'm trying to say? And that's why I said this is permissible. All right, Uh, the 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 the, the use of pictures are permissible, not displayed obviously, Um, and likewise colors. Likewise, what is your intention behind that wearing of that color? If it is to express your feminine, your feminine side or you're trying to be something, then you've just got to fear Allah and you know, move away from that. If that clothing has taken on a connotation in your society, even though you don't want to, but it has taken on a connotation of a religious reality, then you need to avoid that. Okay? So as I said, a saffron-based type of sari or whatever, you'd run a mile from that. You'd run a mile. You wouldn't, you wouldn't risk that, okay? But at the same time, I'm not going to say that having a saffron, you know, colored uh, shoes or, or trousers or whatever is impermissible. And uh, uh, Tehani said that what about then a woman um, uh, wearing a white uh, abaya in, in, so- in Saudi, for example? Um, Why should it be a problem that she sticks out? Surely if she's acting seductive or acting in an unbecoming way, that should be the problem. We say that that's that's impermissible behavior, to act in a way of seductive and whatever, that's completely haram. As for the color, we said that color in in, and of itself is not haram. It's what it leads to. So if color is what's bringing people attention to you, and then people are focusing more on you, and you are participating in that, and you are knowingly involved in that. That becomes a problem. That's why bringing attention to yourself, Yani, is a is a is a is a is a problem. But then those allowing these feminine colors, which are would be promoting the transgender culture, is a point that's being made. I say that only if it's seen as a feminine color. Okay, do you get know what I'm trying to say? Like like you know, red. If we use red as the typical feminine color, I think like an Adidas red jacket, the one that Bob's has, I don't think that promotes anything feminine. There's nothing feminine about it. Like, whatsoever. You get what I'm trying to say? So, I just think that in response to Zaf's question, or Zaf's point, that what you've done is made it more complicated, you've never given it a ruling or not. Actually, I think I've made it more accurate. Okay? In my own world, in my own dimension. Yeah? I think that it's become more accurate because what I haven't done is prohibit something which has clearly got nothing to do with being prohibited. I don't want to prohibit a red jacket when a red was never, ever prohibited. The Prophet ﷺ wore red. That's my response. I don't want to make a saffron halal, Okay, e, uh, when the Prophet ﷺ himself wore it, and I make it halal, and uh, a person wears it in the form of a sari, which is copying an Hare Krishna. And he says that I don't, I don't look like Hare Krishna, I have a beard and I'm wearing a hat, but I like wearing saris, and I like wearing saffron saris. It would be ridiculous. We'd say you look like one of those, you're promoting one of those people, and it's impermissible for you to wear those clothes. Outright, outright outright i don 't think so i don 't think i don 't think no no I think there has to be an uh, uh, there has to be an application of wearing it in some kind of way, there has to be some kind of intention behind it there 's got to be yani you, know, you know there has to be linked to the the form of dress as well. Yes, I believe that to avoid red and yellow and orange completely would be the safest position across the board. But you asking me a question. Is there such thing as a haram color? I say no. I say that every hadith that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited a color, it was because he gave an illa with it. He gave some indication, you know, uh, about, or, or, uh, you know, something to do with that. Okay. Also, I'll just say just one other thing as well. It could be argued just to really kind of confuse you all, all right? it could be argued that when the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the muza'afar and the mu'asfar, what he was actually prohibiting is that which is muza'far and mu'asfar. Not the color, but that which is dyed with saffron and dyed with uh, carmethrin or whatever it's called. What's it called? Yeah, kathamine. Qath- the actual natural dye itself, t- today, it's all artificial dyes. Maybe it's something to do with the substance itself. Maybe it's something to do with the smell. Maybe it's something to do with the cost. I think they use aceline or asinine or whatever, I don't know. Today, an artificial dye now most of the time when it comes to colors. So who's to know? So that's my position. That's my position with men and women. I believe that no color by, of, in, of itself is prohibited. I think that a, a, what is prohibited is when a person uh, wears it and it is in that society well known to be feminine and a person says, I'm still going to wear it, then that, that's haram. I believe that you're wearing a color that's associated with a religion or an order or a cult or whatever, and it's an identity for that, that people in a religious sense, Okay, then that's haram. Identity is not a problem. Right? If you go and work for, I don't know, you go and work for uh, uh, Emirates airline. Uh, okay? and they all want all of their people to wear brown okay? and you say it's haram to be part of a cult I mean, that's, that, you're part of their uniform you're identifying with them it's not a religion it's a, it's a rules and a procedure and so on and so forth so conforming to a uniform is not impermissible it's what that cult yani, indicates this is very important that people understand and it's when people don't understand these things is that everything becomes haram what you wear haram, the colour haram, this that so there's nothing wrong intrinsically with yellow there's nothing wrong intrinsically with red yes in our cultures for a male especially in those you know kind of sub uh, the South Asian kind of communities to be wearing a male to be wearing red and yellow that, those kind of clothes that's a shocker you'd avoid that because you're, you're an air of doubt and so on but yeah Yes, go on. last last one. Two questions.
0: Yeah, sheikh, you mentioned about the colours. I think the question is really red or really yellow in, in this discussion we we'll have. Yep. So if there's these two colours, then what is the volume? What are you talking about head to toe, like you know, from shoulder? To Enough. Waist. That that the
1: you, you, you see that question in itself proves that it can't be the colour. <laughs> because where where is the hadith that says the colour itself is the problem? There is nothing that says the Prophet said. We never said, for example, that that red. Is the colour of shaitan. But Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The Cor- correct. Yeah, I mean, but there's no there's no evidence to say that you know you can't have a red I'm about saying you can't you, you, you can't have a red dot, yeah, and then I realize that obviously that'd be a major problem. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but let's say a red line going down your white shirt. What? Your shirt's becoming permissible because it has a red line? No. No. There's no evidence for that. Allah. Does it yeah? Okay, let's let's call it a day, insha'Allah. Zakkumullah, kuntu shahadatu lillah. Yeah, ya, yeah, ya, they can do salah. Don't you <coughs> deal with this microphone.